This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 127. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc. I'm really excited that you're here today. Today, I have Tom Wheelwright on the show. If you know Tom Wheelwright, he's one of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad advisors to Robert Kiyosaki. His passion is tax law. And I met him uh, just a few months ago here on a Real Estate Guys Cruise. Great guy. And the stuff that he puts out on tax education is fabulous. Uh, his book, Tax-Free Wealth, if you haven't done that, you have to read that book because there's a lot of stuff that your CPA probably doesn't even know. So really love him. And he agreed to come on the on the show to share with us the implications of the new tax laws for multifamily investing, both as a syndicator and as a passive investor. Really, really excited to have him on the show. Before though, I'm even more excited about my new book. It's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. Uh, just came out on Amazon. Definitely check it out. It's my first book I've written, and it's all about how to achieve financial freedom with real estate, and it may not be the way that people normally think, which is single-family house investing. So I'll show you in the book how to overcome your lack of experience, how to overcome your lack of cash and resources, and then how to actually do your first deal. So I go through that all the way from finding the deal, all the way through raising money, financing deal, and closing the deal as well. So it's a substantial book. Took me a year to write. Really proud of it. And I really want to kind of address some of the misconceptions that people have about apartment building investing so that more people can achieve financial freedom. All right. So that's an Amazon financial freedom with real estate investing. All right. Let's get right into the interview here. Really excited. Tom Wilwright, everyone. Here we go. Tom, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to have you on the show. And for anyone who does not know Tom Wilwright, give us a little intro about yourself. Well, yeah, happy to. So um, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I spent two years as a Mormon missionary in Paris, France, where I learned the first rule of entrepreneurship, which is how to be rejected and not get upset about it. Uh, as I got rejected over and over and over and over again. But it's good. It was, it was great. I learned to love the French people, lo- love, love the language. And of course, the food is fantastic. So, and then I spent, uh, I, I did my undergraduate at University of Utah with a, a degree in accounting. And my graduate degree is a master's of professional accounting and tax from the University of Texas. Spent uh, seven years with Ernst & Young, um, including uh, three years in their national office. The last time we had major tax reform, back in 1986, 85-86. And mostly teaching, actually creating courses and teaching CPAs, uh, you know, basically how to help the clients reduce their taxes. And then I spent four years as the in-house tax advisor for a Fortune 500 company. And 14 years as an adjunct professor at Arizona State University teaching uh, graduate tax students how to reduce state and local taxes. And then I spent uh, the last 25 years starting and creating my own business and uh, CPA firm. Now we have a network of CPA firms. We have eight members of the network of CPA firms currently. Our goal is 1,000 within the next five years. Um, around the world. We have people in South Africa. We have people in uh, Australia. So um, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a movement, the tax-free wealth movement, and it's very exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's been fun. I uh, just got back from South Africa with Robert Kiyosaki. We had uh, like eight events 
in South Africa, and then now we're headed to Australia to do uh, four events in Australia. And what's really interesting, Michael, is that it doesn't matter whether it's uh, Moscow, Russia, or um, Johannesburg, South Africa, or frankly, San Francisco, California, anywhere we go, what we end up what we end up with is somebody coming up to us at the end of the program and saying, you know, this is all good and fine, only you can't really do that here. And so, you know, really the issue for people, I think, is are they willing to learn something that may go contrary to everything they've learned in their entire life? And if, if they are, then, you know, we can teach them and we can teach them how to lower their taxes, typically anywhere between 10, 40% or more um, within three or four months, but only if they're willing to learn because it is a different mindset thinking that taxes are not out there to get you. They actually are a reward for doing what the government wants you to do or the tax benefits are. So that's, uh, it's, been really really interesting um, traveling the world and talking to people and and what's what's so interesting Michael is that you know I know we're going to talk about US tax laws but the tax laws are the same around the world they're very very similar it depends on how you earn your income on how much tax you pay you know if you're an employee you're typically going to pay 40 percent if you're if you're a high earner if you're a self-employed you're typically going to pay about 60 percent because you pay the employer share and the employee share if you're a big business, you're going to pay down around 20%. And if you're a professional investor, which I know is uh, your, your, your group here, um, you can get to zero. And you can get to zero within a, a few years if you really take advantage of what's available to you in the tax law. Yeah, and I, I just love your, your book, It's Tax-Free Wealth. I think you have, just have a second edition out, right? Second edition. Right? It is just out. That's correct. Yeah. Very exciting. Well, I read I read your first edition, so now I have to read this, the second one. But what struck me about it is there's a different ways you can reduce tax. And a lot of some people have uh, take offense to this. They're like, no, you should really pay your taxes. You know, like Trump was like, you, dear tax evader, you know, what you made a point you make in your book is, you know, you're really doing the reason that we have lower taxes because you're, we're doing what we're told to do by the government. That's why they're giving you the tax laws. And I thought that was a very interesting perspective. Well, mo most people look at the tax law. And for most people, the tax law is their greatest enemy. Right, it is. I mean, taxes are either your worst enemy or your best friend. The tax law, if you look at it, there's one line that says all income's taxable, unless we say it isn't. There's another line that says nothing is deductible unless we say it is. And then there's a few pages of charts and tables to tell you how much tax to pay. But there's 6,000 pages of tax law. So the question is, what's the rest of the tax law? What's the other 5,970 pages of tax law? And the answer is they're incentives. They're really an instruction guide or a roadmap to reducing your taxes. So, you know, the, the tax law is just a series of incentives. And the question is, do you want to take advantage of those incentives or do you want to be, as, <laughs> as, as my friend Robert Kiyosaki would say, or do you want to be a tax mule? Okay, which, <laughs> you know, he's a little stronger about this than I am. But I, I look at, you know, I, I've always looked at the bright side of life. I'll, I'll admit, I look through the world in, through rose-colored glasses. But I see the tax law through rose-colored glasses, too. I think that the tax law is something that's there, and it's there for the government to encourage certain activities. For example, everybody takes their home mortgage deduction. Well, why? Why, why is it that you think that that's okay, but it's not okay for a renter who doesn't get to deduct his rent? Well, the reason is because the government says, we think that we want people to own houses. 
So we're going to give them a deduction for the home mortgage. That's what the government's saying. Okay. If the government says, look, we'd like clean energy, then they give tax credits. I mean, anybody who's bought an electric car, my wife bought one recently. She got a huge tax credit for buying the electric car. Well, that's a government incentive to buy an electric car. So to think that, you know, what we don't want to do is we don't want to cheat. And, and the, the challenge that most people get into, Michael, is that they end up cheating on their taxes because they don't understand how to legally reduce their taxes. And the reality is that if you understood how to legally reduce your taxes, you would never have to cheat. You would never want to cheat. You never even think about cheating because there's literally thousands of incentives, whether it's sending your kid to college and getting a tax credit for sending them to college, whether it's, uh, you know, your favorite subject, multifamily housing, okay, building or, or buying and improving multifamily housing, whether it's, um, whether it's building a windmill, you know, and, and putting up a windmill. I mean, all of these things are incentives that to just little encouragement, do what the government wants to do. The government knows we hate paying taxes. So what the government's realized over the years is that, wow, a little tax incentive goes a long ways because there's such an emotional component to that tax, to that tax, that a little bit of a tax incentive. I mean, why do people put money in a 401k for heaven's sakes? Would anybody put their money in a government controlled savings plan if they didn't get a tax benefit for it? Of course not. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, you don't feel very strongly about that, Tom. Uh, so you make a very good point in your book about why that's a really bad idea. So <laughs> very good point. I think what, I, what I'd love to hear from you is, is how, what the, the new tax laws, the implications of tax laws to real estate investing, multifamily investing, specifically syndication, what it means for the syndicator and also for the past investor investing in syndications. And we all know that's good, somehow good. Uh, it turns out that the new tax laws are actually fantastic like unbelievable and you explained it to me a little bit last time last time we met and i'd love to hear you break that down for us because the tax laws the u.s tax laws in this respect are incredible especially new ones can well, you talk a little bit more well, <laughs> start from the top down and let's 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 you know you know go, go, go all you have to do is is think about who is our commander-in-chief right now who's in charge who's in the white house right now yeah they big business big businessman who who owns and develops real estate. Who got the big tax breaks? Big business, people who own and develop real estate. That's who got the big tax break. So there's no question that Trump was taking care of his people, okay? And the, and the Republicans were taking care of Trump's people, okay? And now everybody got a tax break. The reality is very few people will see their taxes go up under this new tax bill. I mean, to think that, you know, that you, to, to hear some of the, the Democratic senators talk about this new tax bill, you'd think that this was just this monumental tax increase to low income. Well, low income, first of all, don't pay tax in the first place, okay? Second of all, there were some real benefits. The people who actually benefit the most are the people who make under $100,000 a year. They benefit the most out of it as a percentage basis. They benefit the most. But I would say as an industry, there's no question that real estate benefits the most. And, and here's why. So we've had what's called bonus depreciation for several years now. And, and at, at sometimes it's been 100% bonus. Sometimes it's been 50% bonus. Most recently, it was 50% bonus. And bonus depreciation works like this. Basically, if you have equipment, and, and historically, it was new equipment, and it did not apply to real estate. But if you had new equipment and you bought new equipment, you could, de instead of taking the depreciation over the useful life of the equipment, in other words, in instead of deducting it over five years or seven years or 10 years, you got to deduct it all at once. 
okay, or 50% all at once. What the new bill did was effective, and this effective date is very important for everybody. Everybody should write this down. Effective September 27th of 2017. So there are people that are listening to this podcast that have not filed their 2017 tax returns that should be paying close attention to this because if you bought new equipment or used equipment, because the, the new tax law changed the rule from new to used, so both new and used qualify, and real estate now qualifies, okay? So what happens is, is that let's say you go in and you develop a, you, you just go buy a, a million dollar, I don't know, what's that? Probably now fourplex, right? So you go spend a, a million dollars on a fourplex. Think about what that means to you. Well, when you buy a building, you really buy four things. You buy the land, you buy the building, Okay, we all know that. But you also buy the contents of the building, the floor coverings, the window coverings, the ceiling fans, the electrical, you know, everything that goes into the building. And you buy the land improvements, like the landscaping, you know, the covered parking, all that kind of stuff. Well, the land improvements and the contents now qualify for bonus depreciation, which means, and I'll give you a typical scenario. Typically, you buy that million-dollar building, probably if you do a cost segregation, which means you have to hire somebody to do that, okay, you don't go do that by yourself, and you break out the costs of land improvements and contents, you're probably going to end up at a minimum of 30% of that million dollars being land improvements and contents. Well, 30% of a million dollars, last I checked, was $300,000. That is now 100% deductible the year you buy the building. So what you've done is you've gone from, if you adjust, let's say you did what most accountants do, which is say 20% goes to land and 80% goes to building, you would have gotten on that, that building at 800000 you would have got about 3.5%, let's be generous and say 4% of the 800000 or you would have gotten a $32,000 deduction. Now you get a $300,000 deduction. So, you know, the, the, the benefits here to this bonus depreciation for real estate investors are absolutely enormous. I have a, a client that recently bought a larger apartment complex, and it will save him $3 million in taxes the first year because of the bonus depreciation. Now, do you still combine this with cost segregation? Should we still do cost segregation? You, do. you have to do the cost you segregation. Have to, you have to do that. Because the cost segregation is what tells you, so it's only property that's under 20 years useful life. So a building has a longer life than that. Well, land improvements have a 15-year life. Well, that means that land improvements, even though they're real estate, you get to deduct them to the year you, you buy it. But you have to do a cost segregation because you have to break out the costs of what you bought. You have to break it out between land, building, contents, and, and land improvements. Once you break it out, you can go in, and here's the thing, you can actually do a little, you got a little manipulation you can do here also, which is kind of fun, is that you could say, well, look, I don't want 300,000. Let's say I only want 100,000. Well, let's say the land improvements are $100,000. Well, so you can choose to only deduct the land improvements and to take the contents over five years. So you've got some flexibility here in what you do, but the amount of the tax benefit, particularly if you're a professional real estate investor, obviously a real estate professional as defined by the tax law, then you, get, you just have this huge benefit that you get immediately. 
Yeah, that's that is that's amazing. And a lot of people don't understand that, and specifically passive investors. Uh, can you got any guidance? You know, I, I get a passive investor and they invest a hundred thousand dollars in a deal. It's a five year term, and they say, "What is my what are my taxes going to be?" And we always say, "Well, you should probably check with your CPA because every situation, of course, is different." And what can we gently tell a passive investor regarding the taxability of their investment in real estate? Well, I I, I would say two things. First of all. Uh, assuming that you're leveraging that real estate, which most syndicators are, and if you're leveraging it, say 70% or more, then you're going to have no taxable cash flow, really for the duration of that investment. That's amazing. So uh, and, that's amazing. Until, you, until you actually sell the building. And when you sell the building, when, you know, when it sells, you're going to have capital gain. Okay. And by the way, the highest rate of that capital gain should be 25%. So you may go, well, you know, you always hear this thing about recapture, which just drives me crazy because first of all, you're postponing the tax, which is always a good thing. I mean, that's why people do 401ks is to postpone the tax. So there's nothing wrong with postponing tax. But second of all, you've actually reduced your tax rate because all of your, all of your gain is going to be either recapture, which is 25%, or regular capital gain, which is at most 20%. So you've got this huge benefit. Plus, by the way, your losses, you, you may have losses well in excess of your income. Well, those losses carry forward until you sell the property, and then they're freed up. So here's what happens. Let me give you an example. Let's say that, let, let's say you invested that $100,000, and you got a $30,000 deduction the first year, 30%, because they did a cost segregation. So they, you should have got 30000 but you probably don't have any cash flow that first year. Let's say over the, fi over the five years that you hold the property, you have losses in excess of your cash flow of, say, $50,000. Very possible. Okay? Even though you've gotten positive cash flow from that. Okay, now you sell it. And let's say now you have a, all you did was sell it for what you paid for it. So now you have a $50,000 gain. Okay, so you had $50,000 loss, you have $50,000 of gain. You go, well, I break even. No, you don't. Because let's, if you're in a 40% tax bracket, which most investors are going to be because they're accredited investors, again, to a syndicated deal in the first place. So you're in a 40% tax bracket. What happens is you're going to be taxed at about, say, 25% on that $50,000 of gain. Okay, so that means you're going to get, you're going to pay $12,500 in tax. However, you're going to get a $50,000 loss offsetting your ordinary income, which is worth $20,000. So you're actually $20,000 minus the $12,500. you are $7,500 ahead because, because what you've done is you've converted ordinary income to capital gain. That's effectively what you've done by investing in a real estate syndication. You've converted ordinary income to capital gain. It may be converted down the road. So you've, you've eliminated your tax on your cash flow. Down the road, you're going to have gain, but it's going to be capital gain. You're going to end up with a net benefit of several, several thousand dollars, even on a $100,000 investment in five years. So it's, it's, it's a remarkable, uh, remarkable how the tax benefit under this new law is going to work. So even the passive investor, you know what? You know, people always go, well, here's the other thing. So one other thing, Michael, just because it's passive loss doesn't mean you can't use it now. It only means you can't use it now if you don't have any passive income. Well, so my, my question for all your listeners, tax advisors out there is, figure out how to generate some passive income. 
we call it converting from ordinary income to passive income. You convert from ordinary income to passive income, basically you've made it tax-free because you've got those passive losses from your real estate to offset it. So it, it's a huge, you know, it's, it just requires a little bit of creativity and tax planning and really sitting down with your tax advisor. But to not take advantage of this bonus depreciation and all the tax benefits in real estate is just Personally, I think it's a mortal sin. Yeah, well, thank you for pointing to, uh, pointing this out because sometimes we always tout the returns, the cash and cash return. But if you compare this investment vehicle with with any almost anything else, uh, a stock or some other business, you know, you're paying taxes on the income of this other of a portfolio or stocks or even a business. Where in real estate, you're not. Your tax rate is so low on that on that real estate. Well, and, and you're reducing your taxes on your other income as well. That's right. So, so you get, I mean, I can make a stock portfolio non-taxable. I can do that for anybody. I can make it non-taxable. Okay. It's pretty easy. Roth 401k, right? But you can't make, what you can't do is you can't get a benefit against other taxes that you paid. Real estate, oil and gas, you know, agriculture, business, there are a few things you can do that on, but you can't do it in the stock market. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that the bonus depreciation is probably the most exciting thing, coupled with the cost segregation that you described, and that is just fabulous. So when we do that for all of our properties, and you know, most good syndicators do do it as well, and that's just a huge main benefit. Anything else from the new tax laws, Tom, that you yeah, want to highlight? Yeah. So so let's talk to the syndicators for a minute. All right, okay. let's do that. Because you syndicators out there, you have a little issue called carried interest. Okay, and we don't have clarification yet on this. The intent of the law clearly was to require uh, carried interest for you to hold that interest for three years or more in order to get capital gains rates, okay? There's a lot of discussion out there right now whether it applies to real estate. I think there's no question the intent is to apply to real estate. It's right in the law that intends to apply to real estate. There's a glitch that may keep it from applying to real estate, at least temporarily, but I think they're gonna fix that glitch and when they do, they'll fix it retroactively. So in your planning, there's ways to deal with this. In your planning as a syndicator, you're gonna have your carried interest, which is your gain, right? Your share of the profits when you sell the property. Rule number one is if you can't, hold it for three years. If you can't, because a lot of people, the challenge right now is that the market's so hot that you go, you know, I can't turn down this buyer. I can't turn down. They're, they're paying unreasonable cap rates, right? I mean, you know, you come in with on, on, a, on a class B or C property with a 3 or 4% cap rate, you're not going to say, no, I think I'm going to keep this one, right? Because I've got a tax issue. There are things you can do. So you'd mentioned before we got on the podcast, you talked about 1031 exchanges, which you know, and mostly when you're doing a syndication, you don't do a 1031 exchange because some people want their cash. They don't want the next deal. Okay. We have done some pretty exciting stuff this year. It's exactly the situation for the general partners, for the, the developers, the syndicators themselves to actually deal with this issue, uh, this three-year issue. There are ways to do 1031 exchanges as long as you plan for it. Okay. Even if not everybody's going to get into the exchange. So, you know, if, if you've got a property coming up for sale and what I would be doing is I'd be sitting down with a tax advisor who specializes in real estate. I mean, you don't go to any normal tax advisor because real estate's an absolute specialty in the tax law. Just like I would not 
go help you set up a pension plan. I'm not the expert in pension plans. That's a very specialized area. You need a tax expert in pension plans. I'm not the expert in international tax. You need a tax expert in international tax. Real estate's that kind of specialty. So what you do is you sit down with your tax advisor and say, okay, how do we deal assuming that they're going to fix this glitch, which I think they will. How do we deal with this three-year rule? And then, and then you walk through it. And then you have to, then of course you have other decisions, which is, do I want to, do I really want to buy another property right now? You know, but I'll tell you, I had somebody on my podcast recently, you know, they, they're a syndicator and they were not going to buy another property. They absolutely said, this is not the market we want to buy in. And I said, yeah, but you have an enormous tax bill. If you don't, they, they had a, a, just a grand slam home run on a deal. And I said, so think about it. And they actually found a really, really good property. And they wouldn't have found it. And this is the point I want to make, Michael, if, if you don't mind. They wouldn't have found it had they not been a tax incentive to find it. So, so the reason that we, you know, sometimes the government gives tax incentives because they want us to do better business. And the reality is, is this person I had on the podcast, a good friend of mine, he goes, he would never have found this deal had it not been for the, the tax incentive to find the deal. I mean, it saved him millions of dollars in taxes, but he goes, he's really happy to have the deal. And, and that's the thing, the, the tax law, if we follow the tax law and don't cheat, but we follow it and do what we're supposed to do legally, we'll always make more money and pay less tax. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And by the way, I do have a new, a new podcast out. I just, just noticed that. How can people find your podcast? So it's the WealthAbility Show. So go to the WealthAbility Show. You can all, always go to our website, WealthAbility.com. Um, and uh, we got all sorts of, we got podcasts. We got, all, we got a huge amount of content on there. So. That's fa that is fabulous. That's fabulous. Anything else you want to highlight, Tom, in the new tax laws that we should know about? Well, yeah. So we just got regulations last week on uh, this 20% deduction. And I know for a lot of syndicators, this is not a big deal because you don't have positive cash flow from your syndications. I mean, you have positive cash flow, but you don't have positive taxable income, okay? But I know that there are people listening who are going to have positive taxable income from their real estate, either because they haven't leveraged much or they just, you know, were able to increase rents or whatever. So, if you have positive taxable income, there's this new 20% deduction this year that is 20% of your net business income from your real estate, in, is, includes your real estate. Um, the regulations are 184 pages. So they're a little complex, okay? I do not suggest you read them unless you have insomnia some night, can't get to sleep. They're, they're a pretty tough read. But it does apply to real estate. They actually put this in at the very last minute where they allowed this 20% deduction to apply to real estate. And it's 20% of your net taxable income from your real estate. So if you had $100,000 of taxable income, you're only be taxed on $80,000. Or if you had a million dollars, you'd only be taxed on $800,000. So it, it's a huge, huge tax benefit. Um, it's very complex in the computation, which is why, you know, you have to sit down with your tax advisor on it. But it's something that real estate investors shouldn't ignore, for sure. You know, one other thing that, that came out of this new tax law that nobody's talking about, probably because of bonus depreciation. So it's, 
it's not a big deal is that for, and, and it, it doesn't affect you guys because it's only for commercial properties, but you know, the change in section 179 does apply to, to you guys because section 179 historically never applied to residential real estate. Okay, there was an exception. 179 is the deduction for equipment, right? It's the deduction for equipment, newer used equipment. And of course, with bonus depreciation, we're really not too concerned about it right now, except in a couple of cases. There are some times where you may like to take some 179 deduction. You never could as a residential real estate investor. Now you can, okay? It now applies to residential real estate. And it's, by the way, if you get calls, from tax, from people saying, my tax advisor cannot find that, well, maybe you got to get a new tax advisor, okay? Because it's, it's there. You have to look at it. You really have to pick apart that law to figure out that it does apply to residential real estate now. The other thing that they did was for non-residential, so that means commercial properties, not, not commercial, and, and so I'm clear. Commercial property means industrial um, office. It means someplace where somebody doesn't live. Okay, that's what I mean by commercial. For commercial properties, now HVAC units, fire alarms, roofs, and security alarms are all subject to Section 179. So before they were all depreciated over 39 years. Now they're subject to 179. You, you, you can take that deduction immediately. So for, for those people, you know, listening that, yeah, they do some multifamily, but they also do some commercial, that's a huge potential tax benefit because it may not be allowed for bonus depreciation purposes, but it's specifically allowed for Section 179. So I think the 179 changes are not as, they don't get much press because of the bonus depreciation rules, but still pretty cool. Bottom line is uh, the tax incentives for real estate are are staggering. It's, it is unbelievable. And I was in Dubai in, in March and I was talking about, you know, multifamily investing and it became clear to me that the combination of what we have in the U.S. and the combination of finding cash flow real estate with the tax incentives is, it's amazing. It's it's amazing what we have here. It's by far the best in the world. It is. I, I, there's no question. I mean, I, I've been on every continent. I always look at the tax laws wherever I go. And every country has tax benefits for real estate. Every country does, but most countries only give tax benefits for new buildings. Right, right. Okay, and we give tax benefits for used buildings. So we actually get to depreciate over and over and over and over again, which is, by the way, makes absolutely no sense from a technical standpoint. The way the other countries do it probably makes more sense, but you know what? We just have a, a, a big real estate's just a very, just gets a lot of tax benefits. That's, that's it. It's just a preferred investment. You know, will that change someday? Yeah, probably will. But for now, let's take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Now, you mentioned the real estate professional. Uh, and now I'd like to talk about that really quickly. And a lot of us are doing this on the side, trying to build up our passive income until we become full time. And it's something maybe that we aspire to. Uh, can you talk about, first of all, what, what that status is from a tax basis and maybe some of the, the, some of the parameters so we, we know what to shoot for? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for, for asking that because that's a big deal. Obviously, when you have bonus depreciation and you have a three, you know, on a million dollars, you got a $300,000 deduction, you'd sure like to be able to take that. And the, the challenge is, of course, is that rental real estate is what we call passive. It's, it's a passive activity, which means that it can only offset passive income. Okay, so it can offset income from other real estate or it can offset passive income from other passively owned investments. Okay, not 
dividends, okay? So ha you have to have a direct ownership in the business, like a pass-through entity, like an S-corporation or a partnership. So what happens is a lot of people, particularly, you know, like you say, you're doing it on the side, you're not full-time. A lot of people, what happens is their passive losses, they carry forward and they don't get to use them until, until the property sells. Well, let's say you'd like to use them now. Well, the get-out-of-jail-free card is the real estate professional. If you're a real estate professional, you do not have passive losses from your real estate, period. It's active losses and it can offset any other type of income, your business income, your, your salary. It can offset anything, okay? So it is truly the get-out-of-jail-free card. This is the ultimate goal. It's very simple rules. The rule is you have to spend more than 750 hours in real estate during the year and more time on real estate than all your other business and investment activities combined. Here's the cool thing. If you're married, only one of you has to meet the test. So if you have one of the spouses that's a stay-at-home spouse and they have no other business, and that means they get, that's 15 hours a week. That's it. 15 hours a week and you're a real estate professional. And you have to do real work. I mean, you know, you I mean, the IRS, by the way, if you put down the, if you take the position, you're a real estate professional, the IRS, if they audit you, will challenge that. A hundred times out of a hundred. Okay. They will always challenge that. That's one of the top of their lists. Okay. But the reality is if you keep good track of it and you actually put in the hours, two things are going to happen. One is you're going to meet the requirements for the test, but the other is you're going to get really good at real estate. And you're going to make a lot more money getting really good real estate. That's what they're saying is they're saying, look, if you're an amateur investor, we're not going to give you these, these tax benefits. That changed in 1986 when I was in, um, in Washington, D.C. That was the, the real estate lobby fell asleep during that law, that big change. And real estate got hit hard. And it wasn't until 1993 that we got the real estate professional rules at all. Okay. So the reality is, is that we have this great opportunity to be able to use our losses currently and only one spouse has to meet the rules. Once you meet the rules, you know, for the year, you're good for the year. Now you have to meet them every single year. So you do have to keep track of them. You have to keep good documentation. But, you know, there are some other benefits to real estate professional, by the way. For example, this net investment income tax, this 3.8% Medicare tax does not apply if you're a real estate professional when you sell your property. If you're not a real estate professional, you pay that extra 3.8% on your capital gains. So that's a big deal. Okay. So that's a, a you know, you have a, a really, you know, a really successful real estate investment. That 3.8% adds up pretty quick. Okay. So that's another reason. Another one is under this 20% rule. The 20% rule only applies to real estate that is a trader business. And the question of whether it's a traded business is, is it an actively carried on with the intent to produce a profit? And, you know, people who have like one piece of real estate or they, you know, they're investing in one syndication, they probably do not qualify for that 20% deduction uh, the way they've written these new regulations. So you're a real estate professional, you're probably going to qualify for that. So there's all sorts of tax benefits you get when you're a real estate professional. So if there's a way for you or your spouse to become a real estate professional and meet that test, that 750 hour test, man, I would do it. So I love how excited you get around uh, taxes, Tom. I just love that. What else are you excited about right now? 
Well, I got you. What I'm, what I'm most excited about is that we are going to change the whole tax advisory profession. Um, at WealthAbility, we have a new tax-free wealth network. Anybody out there, you've got a CPA, by the way, a tax advisor you, that you'd like them to learn this stuff and you'd like them to apply this way, then let us know. Go to WealthAbility.com. We would love to have them join our network. We're going to change the world. Um, the CPA profession is a dying profession. There's so many people out there not, you know, not understanding how the law works, not understanding how to serve their clients, and not, frankly, not understanding how to run their own business. And so the great benefit we have, the thing that we're doing is we're going out and we're actually helping the independent CPAs do better with their business and understand and get better training because the challenge with the independent CPAs, you know, independent CPAs are a lot like, and I know we're running short time, but I want to, I want to get through this. The, the challenge with the independent CPAs, it's like a local restaurant. The best restaurants in the world are local restaurants. They're not chains. Okay. The best accountants in the world are local accountants. They're not in the big, you know, the big national firms. In fact, I find the, the national firms, not the big four, which none of us have access to, right? But the, the national firms, they're not very good accountants. They're just not. They, they, they just, it's like garbage in, garbage out. I mean, they're just not taking the time. The independent accountant, though, there's so many independent accountants that are, that they really care about their clients. They, they really try their best. They just don't have the training that they need. And, of course, what we're good at is training. So we're out there to change a profession. And so, you know, I would put a call out to anybody who's got a CPA. You really like your CPA. That's, I get that a lot. Of, I like my CPA. I don't want to leave my CPA. Well, then send your CPA to, to join us. You know, be part of this movement because then we can change the world. Because the more people who understand how the tax laws work, the better the tax laws work. So we're actually doing something, you know, instead of, like you said at the first, Michael, you know, people are afraid of, you know, using the tax law because they go, oh, you know, you should just pay your taxes. And I'm going, well, yeah, you should pay your taxes. Right. You should pay everything that you're liable for. But why would you pay taxes? Why would you do things that the government doesn't want you to do? Right. Why not do what the government wants you to do? Pay less taxes, build more wealth, make more money. I mean, the, the whole theme of wealth ability is it's your ability to create wealth to make way more money and pay way less tax. So, you know, if you, again, if you've got a, a CPA you really like, a tax advisor, send them our way. If you just like some more information about how to reduce your taxes, how to build wealth, again, we're, you know, we're always happy to help any way we can to your listeners, Michael. We love real estate. I mean, real estate is... Um, you know, real estate tax has been a passion of mine for my entire career, something I've specialized in for 35 years. And, uh, you know, we're just happy to help any, anytime anybody wants any, you know, anything we can do for you or your listeners, Michael, just let us know, just go to wealthability.com and yeah, no, and you have uh, just fabulous resources, and I'm glad you're finally starting a podcast, Tom. Way to get with the times. Yeah, uh, finally, huh? Finally, but you know, but your, your book is fabulous. You definitely, you. someone who has not read that book yet. In fact, you can, you know, it's called Tax Free Wealth Second Edition, and you can even take some of these concepts to your CPA because once they know about Absolutely. it, they go, oh yeah, let me research that. Right? I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure. I or I, I forgot about it. Exactly. So I just love the resources you're putting out, and I really like the fact that you're targeting some of it now at at CPAs to make them better at their job. So, Tom, real pleasure and honor to have you in the show. Thank you so much. It's absolutely a pleasure, Michael. Thank you. 
All right, there you have it, the one and only Tom Wheelwright. Real honor to have him on the show. And, you know, I hope the takeaway here is, my gosh, the tax laws around real estate are insane, both as a syndicator and a passive investor. There is no business like multifamily real estate that gives you the tax incentives that you will not find anywhere else. And I'm really excited about that because our investors, you know, the chance that they're going to pay any kind of taxes on the income is very slim. And there's a good chance that all the capital losses will offset the capital gains when we do sell. In fact, I've even heard recently that someone sold a property very recently and they didn't even have to do a 1031 exchange because the taxes were so minimal, even on the capital gain to not justify a 1031. So that is really, really exciting. So again, I recommend all of Tom's resources and I'm so glad he's got a, a podcast out. He's got eight, eight, nine episodes out. So I'll be listening to him because I read his book, Tax-Free Wealth. It's on Amazon, Tax-Free Wealth. Just came out with a second edition and the first was really, really good. So the second is probably even better. I haven't looked at it yet to see if there's new tax laws in there, but I bet you they are. So definitely go head out there, Tax-Free Wealth and grab that book. Oh, speaking of books, also, Grab my book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, also on Amazon, big, bright, yellow book. Can't miss it. Uh, it's probably the most exciting read that you'll have all year if you're thinking of quitting your job with real estate. Really appreciate you guys. Hope you found that valuable. and We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.